We're back, only everything's there a mess. We go. Here we go. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast of the cinema. Uh, hi, we're back. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, uh, it has been. Although there were moments. Well, and that we, we, we sent. Yes, like yes. We shared weird, a, truncated versions that were recorded on a card table into our into your laptop and, and next to my little surgery recovery recliner. There was that. There. Yeah, we shared our Nancy Silverton interview with the world that, because how could was, we not? That was actually okay. The very first time back was the Nancy yes. episode this past week. But yeah, it's uh, been a while since we've I've done this, this is proper movie podcast. Yes. Yeah. Hi, I'm Alonzo Duraldi. You're Dave White. Yes. And uh, we are film critics, and this is our show, which we've been doing since 2010. 2010. Uh, and we're delighted to have with us one of our favorite people on Earth. You know him as um, the owner of the internet. Um, and <laughs> That's you, mine. I take credit for that. Yes, it is I'm his, going to jail soon. His and his alone. And, and The internet is the personal property of Mr. Bertel. <laughs> he invented it. <laughs> It's a line from um, the man who came to dinner that Dave's like Dave likes to taunt me with about Christmas. Yeah. Um, you also know, of course, from Jimmy Kimmel Live and Keep It and so many other places. Louis Vertel, welcome back. Oh to the my show. God, I'm so it's thrilled to be back here. Long. No, first of all, I can't believe the first time I was here was allegedly 2012. Ish, ish. Yeah. I'm just. I'm, you were uh, one of the early people who just who wasn't us who wasn't who was on us, this show who yeah. popped in who like wandered in yeah, yeah. no it, it feels yeah. like a, like a reunion episode of Gunsmoke or something like <laughs> Miss Kitty's back <laughs> you're the Burt Reynolds yes you, know, you, were, you, you, you shown early and then went on to do bigger and better things um, how, and I'm uh, writing for this year's Oscars yet again Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. I know. That, which I, I shared on the internet when they, when it was announced that Kimmel was hosting. I said, "What this really means is that Lewis is writing the Oscars." <laughs> and, and, so. and you should know, by the way, that like behind the scenes, like I am like playing ball and giving him the jokes he wants to hear. But I am sliding in names occasionally, like references to old speeches, etc. And you know, occasionally because he himself has a really good memory of pop culture, <laughs> will go for it. Oh, so nice. I'm doing the hard work of being like, "Oh, what if you brought up?" Linda Hunt, you know. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking, I, I'm seeing a solid five on like Jerry Lewis and Dorothy Malone. Oh, you know? please, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's <laughs> this is what we expect. It's what we want. It's what we need. Um, how, how was your pandemic? How was your strike? It's been that long since we've really gotten to hang out with you. Um, you know what? Actually, productive in terms of this podcast. I really sat down and thought I'm going to do two things during the pandemic. I'm going to work out since there's nothing else to do mm. and then also watch every movie I've said I even had a vague interest in and I really caught up on every like I got new f- I, I watched like eat, like the prime of Michigan Brody like 36 times wow. you know whatever okay. or, um, <laughs> just like things like that and uh, now I, like I feel like I have far fewer gaps in my knowledge now really I still am actually pretty green when it comes to literally all foreign cinema I have to say like I'm pretty like American in, a, in an Achilles heel sort of way when it comes to movies but no I, I, I saw everything I know everything. <laughs> Look, you, you productive is a, is 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 a is a big leap. I think a lot of people was like, I just I'm gonna get under this Afghan and watch Columbo until it's over, right? You know? And and so you were at least striking out into new territories. The guest starring roles of Lee Grant are important. I'm glad those people <laughs> went on that journey. Yeah, the wigs of Ida Lupino, yeah. not to be missed. These are this is cinema people, uh, and and the strike. You seem to be very much like out in the world, and I mean, not you're you're picketing and vacationing simultaneously. Somehow, I unfortunately very, very will cool. reflect on that as one of the best times of my life. Just like <laughs> I just had never had that much time off since I moved to LA, really, yeah. mm. just to have time where you, my life wasn't defined by work in really any way. And like I'm sort of under traveled, I'm really ritual oriented. Mm. So like to actually go out and be like, oh, I'm going to visit whatever anywhere from San Francisco to Mexico is actually just really great, really necessary for me. That's awesome. Now, uh, what is your title at Kimmel now? Oh, I'm just a staff writer. Staff yeah, writer. Mm-hmm. and the only gay one for miles. Wow. Well, you know, I every show needs. You're at representing least one. solidly, though. Thank you. You're yes, keeping, yeah. you're keeping the side up. So, yeah. No, the, you're aware that there's some there's a purple presence, shall I we know say? What's <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear it. I hear it. And look, I, you know, 
I think late shows, their ratio of writers we let on camera versus ones we don't is always, you know, pretty staggering. So your physical presence on the show is very much appreciated and admired. That's nice of you. I, no, actually, I was told recently that I'm the only writer ever to have a segment on the show. Wow. So, um, by the way, which is like, they just one day were like, something about gay something was in the news. They're like, would you talk about it? And then it became a thing. <laughs> like, it just accidentally, I stumbled into this. When is Laura Piana going to collaborate with you on Turtlenecks? Because right. oh, please. I just recently noticed that you carry off a turtleneck like few people can. I'm what we call a Candace Bergen. Yeah. I belong in one. <laughs> it should be in the tawny to oatmeal range, generally <laughs> yeah. speaking. Yeah. You know, something from the row. Yes, where, yes. Where you are, where no one knows. Right. You're just whispering luxury. Just yeah, uh, this yeah. nefarious Richard Benjamin characters. Yeah, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With kind of like a fisherman's weave. <laughs> yes. <thinking> yes. <laughs> yes, that's me. No, no, no yeah. kidding. Well, so anyway, uh, this is these are exciting times, uh, cinematically speaking, and I, the, so this show specifically, I'm thrilled that you're back for because uh, we are talking about um, uh, Wonka, which is a lot of things. Uh, we're talking about Todd Haynes's May December, yes. which is even more things. Yeah, yeah. it sure is. Yeah, a uh, 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 Saltburn and my. Just crazy things. So, like, this is the 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 gay runs deep on this episode, both figuratively and literally. I think with these titles. So, uh, where 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 do you want to? Why don't you all start with Maestro, since that's the one I have not seen. Right, and I have, we we will circle back when yeah, Dave has. I, I had this big idea. I just telling Lewis before we turn on the mics. I had this big idea that post hip replacement surgery, I was going to spend these weeks catching up on all the award screeners that they send Alonzo. And I did almost none of that. <laughs> I, I dozed in and out of TCM uh, films over and over and over again and got almost nothing watched. Like, I did watch Saltburn. Yeah. I did watch Wonka. I did watch May-December. Those might be the only three. Oh, you watched I've- the... We watched The Color Purple, which we can't talk about yet. Oh, right. The embargo hasn't lifted yet. Uh, and even though the embargo hasn't lifted yet, y'all, Fantasia. <laughs> Fantasia. Fantasia, Fantasia, Fantasia. And Danielle Brooks, Danielle Brooks, Danielle Brooks. And, and also and Danielle, Danielle Brooks. Brooks. Yes. But I have a special place of adoration in my heart for Fantasia Barino, and I have from the moment she stepped on stage on American Idol. She's the best person to ever come from American Idol. That's a, a, gr- a great statement. I think you're probably right. If I if if there's a day when I'm not listening to Fantasia Barino, I think to myself, it's a tie with her and Kelly. If there's a day I am listening to Fantasia Barino, I think Kelly Clarkson gave us a smart oven one time. That's <laughs> that's the best thing that Kelly Clarkson has done. Hey, look, Kelly Clarkson has also given us two. I want to say now, kick-ass Christmas albums, and yes. I'm still waiting for yeah. Fantasia. So how about that? Uh, Fantasia has a Christmas album, and what? we own it, and it's good. It's horny. Okay, I, I feel Where like you've been. I feel like you're keeping secrets from me now, and I wonder I, what our entire relationship is built on. I can't make you listen to things. <laughs> what have I done? I, 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 what, what happens when I say to you, hey, here's some music you need to listen to? You go, no. Well, yeah. you have to admit, you have burned that bridge. Like, I think you've abused the privilege with most of what you I've listen constructed to. A, a, <laughs> I've constructed a death metal bridge yes. that all can live on happily. Here's a field recording of Decapods. You know, <laughs> like, I, you have to tell me, no, 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 it's Christmas and it's Fantasia. Fantasia, uh, also, by the way, one of the few breakout personalities of Idol. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like, Kelly Clarkson obviously has quite a bit of personality but there really is something unmistakable about Fantasia you know I I love her in a way that gets me choked up sometimes Um, so she has a song called Lose to Win I love yeah yeah well she has lots of songs that I love but 98% 98% of the American Idol output, they you could get them at Hobby Lobby. Yeah, right. They're that mm-hmm. level of unthreatening and, she, unfre- and and forgettable. No, if American Idol has taught us anything, is that talent can be uninteresting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew? She emerges, I know there's an embargo. I'm, just, I'm not going to say too much more. She emerges as a character through this film until the big song. And when she sings the big song, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to cry again. Again. Anyway, we'll talk about we'll that talk movie about later. The purple. We'll talk we about will. the movie later. I want you all to talk about Maestro because I still haven't seen it. But I have an idea about it. You right. can confirm or deny that I'm right or wrong. And this is a very Dallas-specific reference that 
will only work for Alonzo <laughs> and anyone else who has lived in Dallas, Texas. But this is a film that opens in like all the multiplexes in North Dallas, but very specifically opens at Highland Park Village. So, oh, yes. And all the people <laughs> who live in Highland Park and University Park in weathered Ralph Lauren post-Christmas <laughs> lounge, lounging clothes. Right. They wander over to Highland Park Village to see Maestro. Honey, should we see Maestro? It's not so far away that we have to get in the car like Donald Sutherland and Mary Tyler Moore and drive there. <laughs> Oh, you think people in Highland Park walk to the Highland Park Village? I think they live right next to it. I think they just wander over. No, I think they live right next to it and they drove. Maybe. It's Dallas. They like no one when they get there. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yes. Yes. Let's get real Am there. I wrong? It, no, yes. It is that level. I, I am wrong. It, no, no, no. Sorry. You're correct. Ah. You're correct. It is that level of like safely middle brow highbrow adjacent enough right. to, to look at it from a distance After but not Christmas, in a way I'm that gonna, is i'm gonna i'm gonna get on the couch in pajamas with a cashmere throw and i'm gonna watch maestro yeah 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 and this is this is this is uh bradley cooper's uh leonard bernstein biopic and I, it has a lot in its favor i think there's a lot of it that works there are i feel like he is growing as a filmmaker mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a, a level of confidence here that exceeds even what he was doing with stars born um Plot. But, what's it about what's well it about? okay what's we we, we pick up well okay we start we open on like a 60 minutes interview with a late era bernstein so we can immediately bernstein so we can immediately get like the full the, makeup, and the hair. full, the full yes. prosthetics, the full everything. Like, yeah. look at all the, look at all the Bradley Cooper things that are happening here, uh, and then we jump right back to the forties. Yeah, yeah. Whenever his first, like, he takes over in that concert. Yeah, his, yeah. his big break where he finally, he's like, he's like the second backup conductor of the of the New York Philharmonic, and he lives it like like uh, Mahershala Ali in Green Book. He lives in Carnegie Hall, like yes. one of those apartments up there. And he gets it's a, he gets the call while he's having sex with Matt Bomer to like you know come in and be the substitute uh, conductor and of course he crushes it and a career is born um, and you know he meets uh, 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 this actress played by Carrie Mulligan and uh, they get married even though it is clear that you know he is. Uh, a practicing homosexual. Yes, he's doing really well at it. Too. Yes, the pie, exactly. He's making perfect uh, of the parlance. And, you know, they have uh, a lot of ups and downs. And he is, of course, be, you know, it's that period where he's doing everything. He's like conduct. he's writing film scores and he's conducting, you know, children's concerts on television and he's, you know, creating the mass or whatever. Like he's just, it's all the things. And, uh, you know, there's this, there's, when people have asked, like, oh, should I wait and see this on Netflix? I'm like, you should see this in a theater if I you think can. so, too, yeah. If only for the Bradley Cooper conducts Mahler segment at the end of the film. What's the runtime? It's, it's like a little over two. Well, yeah. It's not, not, so it's not punishing. I might be able to, in my surgeon mandated way i might be able to go out into the world yeah. and actually sit in a movie theater. look if you 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 pre-surgery you sat through oppenheimer i the can theater. get to the grove. you could yeah, totally swing up like twice but yeah know, well yes. you can do that again all yeah. right maybe i won't do it on the couch yeah no I, yeah you because like i said there, there use are my stubs a plus pass there you go yeah oh i use the same one yeah. there are there are choices along the way that feel like ooh, okay you you're really directing right. this thing and this isn't merely like a, a vehicle for you to play this character that you obviously really wanted to do also. Um, but, you know, this is the thing about it that I always find bizarre. They're really pushing Carrie Mulligan as a best actress, and people keep asking me about her, and I kind of forget that she's in this. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I would also say about that performance, like, first of all, I am primed to love, like, a mid-century, mid-Atlantic accent performance. You know, mm, like yeah. a, <clears throat> the movie Carol, or like... <clears throat> So, somebody I always think about is I'm, I'm, my, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is What's My Line, and I want mm. I want someone to play Arlene Francis once and for all. Just that, <laughs> like what is that? Just like her accent is sophistication. I don't know where it's from, you know. And Carrie Mulligan gives that performance, but it's also a little um, 
showy at first where you're like, is this correct? Yeah, the 40s version of them. Like, yeah. And, and th- you could make the case of the movie is trying to tell the story in the way that a movie of that period would because it yes. comes from black and white uh-huh. to color and yada, yada. But yeah, that 40s segment where they first meet is so like rat-a-tat-a jazzy. I'm like, I don't buy any of it. And also like the way, literally the way she talks and like purses her lips, it's like she's trying to to reference a movie we're going to get to later, May, December, Eartha Kitt. You know, just, there's like something like a little saucy all the time about the way she's talking. And I'm like, it's like the way you're talking is actually not even efficient. Like you're spending so much time adding sex or something to this line that I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, it's that line about like it takes three muscles to smile and 30 to frown. Like she's working a lot of them into whatever it is. But But I, I think in terms of Oscar conversation, performances that grow on you throughout the movie tend to do well because you sort of think one thing about them and then you're like, oh, wait, it's grounded now. You know, like Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountain, when she comes on the screen, you're like, I've never seen anything this bad in my life. And then by the time she gets to the big speech, you're like, all right, it's sort of changed or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, as, they, as these two characters get older and more angry at each other and the world, yes. I was, I was then I was in, you know, yes, yeah, so I totally bought it. But there is something weird about that. The, the first meeting, and it's like, if you meet at a party and they hit it off and they spend all night talking, it's so like Mickey and Judy. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's a little soulless, doing. like they're not thinking about what they're saying. You know, yeah, kind of. You know, like they 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 leave a party that Comden and Green are singing at, which I'm like, are you crazy? But <laughs> but 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 yeah, it, it, it's it is it 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 feels forced in a way that almost nothing else in the movie does. Yes, right. Uh, and that's so the movie's great because the rest of it is very organic. Like there is there is a huge argument that happens on Thanksgiving Day in their in their posh you know Manhattan apartment where the Snoopy balloon goes by outside. Yes, and it's still and it doesn't like. And it, and it works like it doesn't right. take away from the the impact of the the the, the conversation that they're having um so yeah just like odd little things strewn around but yeah if you can get through the early parts of their scenes together the whole thing gets much better yeah that's it i would also say the movie is not about that much like i don't know that i would say i really got to know leonard bernstein in this movie the movie is kind of about we are we understand that he's closeted they get together they have a kind of understanding gets a little murky when she sees him kind of hook up with someone later in the movie and she's like you're getting sloppy then she gets sick and it turns out that makes him love her more and that's kind of the movie yeah yeah like what, what is this filled with actually because i mean like what you actually do get are these bravura acting moments where he is conducting and then of course at the end of the movie they showed you the real leonard bernstein conducting and you're like wow he really got that beat per beat yeah um which I also think is cheating a little bit. Yeah, somebody was saying that they were they brought up a couple of like sort of great biopics and said, and you know what? Neither of those movies have clips of the real yes. people at the end. <laughs> you know, a movie I always think about in this regard is: Do you remember a Private War with Rosamund Pike? And she plays like uh, an entrenched like reporter who gets killed, and oh, she has the yes. craziest accent yes, in the movie. Yes, yes. But then at the end of the movie, they show you the real woman. And you're like, oh, you weren't crazy. You like it, it, Nick Nolte in Lorenzo's Oil. Yes, I, right. The one yeah. I always bring up, They're like, no, 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 that's what the guy sounded like. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, yeah, no, I, you're right though. You you don't the, like. I'd say the the most the 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 scene that landed the most with me as far as like insight on who this person was and, and what drove him there's this very bittersweet moment about a third of the way through the film where he and matt bomer bump into yes. each other they're both married to women they're both like dads now and there is this palpable sense of like but it's really you but it can't be you so see ya yeah you know and and that has a that has a, a strength to it that i think you you certainly don't get when he starts talking about Mahler. You know, right. they, they, you know, if if this is a movie that's just just on the level of like it's a movie about a guy who's good at his job, he is good at his job, but you don't really know why or what drives it. Right? Yes, you have no a, a problem. I have. I can't believe this is the movie I thought of with gorillas in the mist. I'm okay. like, why does she like these gorillas so much? <laughs> like, how did she get here? I don't understand. I, I can't like you if I don't understand your gorilla thing. <laughs> um, and that's how I feel about him. It's just we we're introduced to him basically as a superstar, somebody who's stepping up to be a superstar. And so I kind of don't have an in to him personally, even though he does have a kind of uh, uh, 
50s repartee vibe about him. Sure. I mean, and I think also, you know, and maybe the part that Cooper relates to is that, like, he, this is a guy who wanted to be famous. Yeah. Like, you know, Bernstein was was never a shrinking violet when it came to sort of, like, self-promotion, basically. And so you see, like, he, him and his wife being interviewed by Mike Wallace or, you know, just the, there's, there's a, there's an, there is a sense of an out, the outward facing Bernstein, like there's a great party sequence where you see the way that he talks to people at the same time, like flirting with this guy and the wife clocking all of it, you know? And so that you do get the, 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 the various masks that he wears in going through life. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. But I, I mean, is the point of the movie like, so he, he had to be closeted in order to be this genius. I just don't know that it's like that grand a point for 2023. I just don't know that I needed a movie about that. Yeah, I mean, unless unless the undercurrent is like, and just imagine if he hadn't been. Yeah, you know, what, right. What might he have he accomplished then, you know? But, but I, I do want to add to your point about the Matt Bomer scene, like when they realize the inconvenience of their feelings and then they both realize they have to go another way. There was a whole movie about this vibe called Past Lives that people really should see. That's mm-hmm. like a phenomenal version of what that is, really exploring the inconvenience of two people's feelings and where they are in the universe. Uh, well, I would also say be on the lookout for a, a, a film that uh, I saw for for lack of voting because it technically qualifies, but it's not really opening until next year, called Robot Dreams. Mm. It's an animated film about a dog and a robot, and I swear to God, it's, it is so much past lives. You wow. Won't, you won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, Let's move on. Yes. Let's talk about Saltburn. Because <laughs> we haven't talked about Saltburn yet. Uh, this is the, next, uh, the latest film from Emerald Fennell. Fennell? Fennell? Fennell. Fennell, Fennell yes. Fennell. Uh, Not who, like the vegetable. Uh, before gave us Promising Young Woman, and she won some Oscars for that. This one is uh, a comedic drama thriller starring Barry Keoghan, Jacob Elordi, Rosamund Pike, Richard E. Grant, uh, Archie Carrie Mulligan, Archie uh, <laughs> Medeque, uh, Allison Oliver, and Carrie Mulligan. And it is about a young man named Oliver Quick, who's, and the minute they tell you his name, <laughs> you think to yourself, you hear Patricia Highsmith gasping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and, 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 and Charles Dickens is like, Oliver, what? <laughs> um, his ghost sort of hovers over the film, clanking chains, you know. Um, he goes to Oxford, a fancy place, that uh, Emerald Fennell uh, also attended an adjunct uh, school. Uh, mm. um, do you know? Do you know how super posh she grew up? How posh is she? Quite, <laughs> quite. Like her grandfather was some famous uh, uh, jeweler or something, and then her like the fa- it's she comes from a family. I see. Well, her she... name is Emerald Fennell, which sounds like a haunted amulet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's so. Um, Wait, her grandfather's a jeweler, and they named her Emerald. Yeah, wow, that's a, on, on the nose, but sure, I, I, Oliver I, Quick. I, I, I might need to go and dig up my details, but her family does things, and her grandfather was like a famous designer of stuff. Gotcha, and I think it's jewelry. They've got libraries named after them, kind of thing. They've got, yeah, they, they counties have, named they after them. Res- they have resources. Okay, <laughs> right. that's the only way in the UK that you get to go into the arts anymore. Anyway, yeah, yeah. also in the United States. Um, unless you are extremely talented and have a huge stroke of luck. Um, so she, you know, very, very, very consciously sets this film in 2006 because that's when she was at university, mm. you know, uh, there, uh, the, uh, and all the, all the little song cues that you're hearing that you're thinking, oh, is this cleverly inserted or is it just a song she remembers from that time? Like, the cheeky girls have a cheeky Christmas at the party scene. And I was like, ooh, cheeky girls. <laughs> They're here. Um, by the end of the film, you're thinking, okay, no, she just she just went to school. And she you were just there. <laughs> All right, so uh, Oliver Quick is a, 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 a loner at Oxford, and he's obsessed from afar with Jacob Elordi's character, whose name is Felix, and who comes from a super rich family. And... Oliver's a scholarship student. Uh, Oliver's a scholarship student. Well, he says he's a scholarship student. He says he's a scholarship student. Okay, let's just hang on with that for a minute. We don't want to give away too much. 
But Oliver might be lying about some things. That's all I really want to say. I don't want to spoil the movie for people who haven't seen the film. But he becomes obsessed with Jacob, and Jacob is easy to be obsessed with. Felix. Sorry. Uh, Felix is easy to be obsessed with because it's not just that he's super tall and really good looking. He's Elvis. And <laughs> also Elvis. Um, he has that thing that people from money so old don't even know that they have. And they have that, that quality of ease that mm. anything is open to them. Everything is open to them. Any person can be spoken to at any time for any reason. They might not see class difference, but when they look in the direction of people who are not in their class, the people who are not in their class go, are you talking to me? <laughs> like, it's like that. Yeah. And so when he talks to uh, uh, Oliver that way, Oliver is like, he's like a flower leaning into the sun. And a set of circumstances involves Felix inviting Oliver to the family estate named Saltburn for the entire summer where all they do is hang out and, and read Harry Potter novels. And read Harry Potter novels and sing pointed Pet Shop Boys karaoke songs to each other. Mm. Uh, and Oliver makes quick work of the entire place in kind of a reverse teorema situation. <laughs> so like in Pasolini's teorema, the visitor shows up and just quickly seduces and has sex with every single person in the house. But the people in the house in teorema do not come to bitter ends. The people in this house come to bitter ends. Yeah, this is and more... we don't a, know why. This is, this is more a something for everyone, I think. Yeah. Uh, that Michael York movie. With yes, Angel right. Lansbury. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, the thing about this film is, uh, and uh, coming as somebody who really did not care for Promising Young Woman, I thought it was likewise. Yeah, yeah specific was, name the ending in particular. Yeah, yeah. wildly overrated. Uh, you know, like it, it just I didn't it didn't work for me at all. And this movie I thought was at least it's stylish. It has a sense of humor. It has a sense of horniness that is definitely missing from so much of contemporary cinema. But it did feel like I was watching this yet another variant on a Teorema, something for everyone, you know, a uh, uh, voodoo saved from drowning slash down and out in Beverly Hills, uh, uh, you know, angel, angel, down we go. Like the interloper in the rich family's house. Talented Mr. Ripley, yes, exactly. right. Exactly, yeah, that gives each of the, each person in the household what they want and then is has some other you know scheme in mind and it's like well if you're gonna do one of those you better take it somewhere that's provocative or that's a commentary on you know wealth or something and to me we get to the end of it i'm like so we're just gonna do this then and not like have it you have no new spin to bring to this the whole movie i i found so entertaining and the ending makes you hate it because like the big <laughs> twist like which i won't give away it's like I personally feel like you could make that the ending of any movie. Like, oh, everything you saw, there was something. There's something you didn't know about it. You know, like that kind of usual suspecty sort of vibe. But um, no, I, I kind of thought her uh, Emerald Fennell's ex ambitions extended as far as I want to make a movie like the talented Mr. Ripley, and that's it. You know, like, like you know, like just like not really sure what we're gonna do with it. Like you're right. It, like it's sort of like wants to wander into a class discussion. It wants to talk about like. Why are we so enamored with people who have status or whatever? But it has nothing really to say about that. And then once you get into the, um, you know, Hitchcocky and twist, it's like this would never happen. It's impossible. And also, like the final, there's so. I think somebody else said this. I forget. Maybe it was like Richard Lawson or something. Said you can see the, the vulture headlines they wanted to make with this movie. You know, like there's like so many scenes where it's like, can you believe this happens? And then this, but they're all red herrings, and they're all like full of sexuality that doesn't lead into anything. So I think, unfortunately, it was a, a very entertaining movie, and I love Jacob Elordi. I think he's an awesome actor. Mm. But just the end of the movie makes you think there's no reason to have done this at all. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, so this is just sort of a bagatelle. Like, I don't even know what the yeah. word I want here is, but it, it, it it's just this sort of plummy diversion that, yeah, that promises to be about something and then just doesn't really 
care to. I I I I, I was I was really enjoying Archie Medekwe in this as sort of like the person who's the most suspicious because he's the least he has the least portfolio of any of these people so he knows how to run with this pack but he, he's very conscious of how much of an outsider he is and I, the whole movie is like i've seen that guy i've seen that guy where have i seen him and then i realized he was the star of gran turismo the wow the, yes. the video game car racing movie this year and i was like wow okay that's range yes uh, you know and he's good in both of them i just ju- i just never thought in a million years that that guy was going to be in like a movie like this um i found this film to be incredibly entertaining and ridiculously messy um and i kind of it wasn't not that it was hard to do but the minute Barry Keoghan talks about this extremely expensive dish that's in the house mm. that he notices and understands what it is on site. I was like, hmm. <laughs> without, again, without giving away the, the, the twist, there's a kind of class envy that exists between people who are extremely poor and extremely rich, and then there's a whole other kind of class envy that takes place between people who are not rich enough. Upper middle class, <laughs> like in the film Bodies, 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 mm, where they, yeah. they use that as an insult. Right. At some point, so your father is upper middle class. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people who are extremely rich or people who are middle class or working class, like they're all different. There's, a, there's an entire spectrum of class envy. And, and that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, I think the horniness that you described is funny. But not much about anything. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, just, really. it's meant to. But it's just there, it's which meant is to the, show you, you get points things. for that at this point. It's meant to show you horny things that even most sluts don't do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the the people who are like, "Yes, I'm a proud slut," and they're like, "Oh yeah, but have you done X, Y, or Z?" And they're like, "No, that's weird and disgusting." Right, but okay, <laughs> so, I think I, I think of it. I think of the horniness in this movie the way yeah. I think about like. When in 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 she's all that or boys and girls where a dance number breaks out right. because we weren't getting musicals in right. that period right. of film, yeah. the, the, I'll take it, you yeah. know. So like, yeah, the well, horniness doesn't lead anywhere, but like, please, yes, just I give, get it. Give me some it. some naked carrying on because yeah. movies have gotten so neutered of late, and people online seem to like it that way. I'm right. glad that it happened. Yes, I just think thought about like Lewis said. I thought it was going to go somewhere. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, it, everything in this movie you think is going to go somewhere. More, more interesting and it like doesn't. X equals X when you're seeing For sure. it that go down. Um, and if anything, it's there to kind of just mislead you from the ultimate twist yeah, of the movie, true. why he's really there. Yeah. I uh I love, love, love uh Rosamund Pike. Oh, always. of course, yes. A dotty performance. Especially, a word we don't see love nearly love enough. Love. And uh the line there's a point where she talks about hanging out with all the Brit pop bands in the 90s. <laughs> and specifically, she hung out with the band Pulp. And she goes, and then everyone thought Common People was about me. And I said, I don't even know Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was like, yeah, I bet you, I bet Emerald Fennell knows Jarvis Cocker. <laughs> so on some level, somehow met him, yeah. you know, and threw that in. Hey, I put you in my movie. You know, like that's. I will say of of all the even if the 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 needle drops were were didn't take a lot of digging the yeah. Sophie Ellis Baxter one at the end is well yeah like pretty terse you are <laughs> you are asking people to not respond positively to an actor who refuses to wear a prosthetic <laughs> dancing fully naked to you know, murder on the dance floor. That's like, a, that I feel like that's, a joy. I feel like that yeah. scene is like emblematic of what is wrong with the movie, though, because it's like <laughs> I do appreciate it in the abstract. I yeah. get that there's something here that Sorry, is novel. We just talked about the last scene. Yeah, it's not really giving anything away. Right, right. right. But at the same time, also, it's like. I, I mean, it makes you just say about the whole movie, he's psycho, so what? I mean, I just like, who, who cares? Like, oh, he's psycho is not a revelation to me. Like, you basically spelled that out in the first reel, you know? Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, I, absolutely. I, I think that, that you know, mere, simply being sociop- soci- sociopathic is not, yeah, that's not a character. Uh, and and so, yeah, the, the, this this is the kind of film that I think people are going to come away with 
maybe thinking that they've that they've seen more than they really did. Yeah, Barry right. Keoghan is doing everything he can with what he has been given. Yes, and I again fully enjoyed watching this kind of actually bad film. Um, it's definitely entertaining. Yes. The first five sixths the, of it. The, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I yeah, what? Go see it. Yeah, go see it. Like, who cares? It's a, it is a fun movie to have an opinion about. So even if you don't like it, I think you do get something from yeah. it. And, yeah. and, you know, like, if you watch... And the cheeky girls are getting a little bit of a performance royalty check. <laughs> there, there is that. Which, yes. this is a pro-cheeky girl's house. <laughs> if, if you watch The Gilded Age for the hats, you might as well watch this for the everything else, for you the, know. For the licky licky bits, yeah, that and yeah. just the 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 for the for the costume balls and the you know the the pricey decadence. Let's just say there's yeah. a rendition of Happy Birthday that's also pretty very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. There's a lot that's there's a lot that's there's a lot that's funny. There's a lot to enjoy. There's not a lot. It to just ex- doesn't. Mean there's not a lot to mean. excavate. Yes. Yeah. really. Um, so, hey, Emerald Fennell. <laughs> Give us another movie. Keep of, trying. Of whatever it is you're going to do next. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about Wonka. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited to be here for this. Because, <laughs> I mean, you have to be the the world's biggest Wonka historian. You I must am, be. I am. I mean, look, the, the, I, there's a lot of people out there who share this with me. But, I mean, like, I, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is my Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I have seen that movie so many times. And I know so much... Like, of the granular detail of it. Like, I know who the two children of the director are who have, like, a line each. You know, like just <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even I, know that. I've lived with you for 30 years. I almost. am, you know, like, this, this you know, my, my home, uh, 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 my phone is the Wonka bar, you know. Uh, they ever tell you, uh, so I'm, I play a lot of trivia. I'm obsessed with trivia, as Alonzo mm. can, can dial into. Um, in West Hollywood, there's the, I, this woman I haven't seen in a couple of years, Nikki Grillos, who's a doll. Um, she always brings her husband, and he is actually on Jeopardy recently too. I didn't put it together. It's Paris Themen who plays Mike TV. Yes. Yeah. He's just he, he was on Jeopardy recently as a regular contestant. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He seems like a handful. I've never met him. Um, but yeah. So so uh, the, yeah. The, the, this is like uh, you know it's the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. I just have I've always been kind of obsessed with it. And so from the moment this movie got announced, I have been like, what? <laughs> because on the one hand, it's like, oh, no, we're doing a prequel to like my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. But then it's like, oh, but we're giving it to the guy who made Paddington and Paddington 2. Right. And so I was like, I, um, but it, could it, you know, it's, it's been very confusing. Trailers started airing. I wouldn't look at them. Like I, I, I generally Fingers tend to. Fingers in the ears. I generally tend to avoid trailers. Closed. But yeah, no. At the theater, I was literally like, nah, 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 like humming, like didn't want to know anything. So I, it was with a great deal of trepidation that we finally watched it. And the first, I, I had to watch it twice before I reviewed it because the first time Dave and I sat down to watch it, I was kind of like, I just, mm, I didn't. But Dave and our friend who watched it with us really loved it, and I thought, okay, maybe that's a strong word. Well, okay, but you really enjoyed it. You were you were for I, it. I enjoyed myself. I am pro this film. Yeah, and I'll explain it a while. And so minute. then I watched yeah. it again, kind of what I because what I realized in thinking about it was like this movie is not a prequel to the Gene Wilder dark, you know, twisted Wonka that I love. This movie is Paddington Three, right, with right. Timothy Chalamet in the lead role. And on that level, I had a much better time. <laughs> I I think I concur in that way because there's just so much I cherish about the original. Obviously, I don't need to repeat any of this to you, but like, I, I love the cynicism of the world in which the the original Willy Wonka exists. I Absolutely. love the um, the whimsy that takes us out of it. I and specifically, I think what this movie is missing is not Gene Wilder, but Jack Albertson. I miss mm-hmm. the character who's like darker than the audiences could ever be. You know, it's like something is like wrong with Grandpa Joe. And then, but then he sees in Charlie a, a chance to reclaim a sort of whimsy, a sort of, a, 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 yes. And um, that I think is what is like so, and also just like the palpable, like it's such a sensual movie originally. Like you want to eat the chocolate and yes. stuff. And I feel like this is just drowning in 2000 CD-ROM graphics. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a sensual movie in any way. And by the way, I love Timothy Chalamet. I, I loved him in Little Women. I loved him in that movie that people apparently hate, Beautiful Boy. I thought he was amazing in that, where he's like the drug addict with Steve Carell as the dad. 
Did I see that one? I don't remember. It like passed away. Like nobody yeah. even talked about no, it. No, I, I I saw the cannibal did movie, which I did. Bones and all. Yeah, <laughs> that was like a okay. That was okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I I mostly dislike this movie. Really? Okay. Because yes. I agree with you. It did, it did not make me hungry for chocolate, which the first one still always does. Because uh, it it is it is it is very CG. But I just figured that's just that's just how we do things now, you know. Yeah. But I, I found it charming. I liked the songs. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that it's, it is not the approach that I would have wanted, but it's an approach and they, they carry, they carry through with a lot of grace and a lot of fun. It's an unpretentious movie. I mean, it's like, you you don't go in, come out of it thinking like, um, I've I've been tricked in some way or whatever. Like it knows what it is. It's very Paddington three. You're right. Uh, I agree with Lewis in that there is no. Uh, there is no tactile quality to this film. Yeah, you you are seeing largely digital constructions most of the time. I did like his little mini chocolate oh, the lab on, yes, the, on the, with the little potions. Door, yeah, adorable and clearly a practical. Uh, yeah, thing at least that, partially. That yeah, that he's, that he's operating. Um, so yeah, from the from the from the standpoint of nineteen seventy to, to now, movies look different now, and you know. I don't want. I don't know if we're ever going back, and I kind of wish we would, but it seems like we aren't. We um, we get one Mad Max Fury Road, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a there's a sweetness here, no pun intended, that feels reasonable and it feels sincere, and it doesn't feel uh, uh, like poured on in in an overdone way. I. We were as we were watching it. I said, "This is a milk chocolate Hershey bar, and the original is seventy percent cacao." <laughs> there is there is a kind of uh, 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 sort of bitterness to the original film that even Roald Dahl thought was too sweet. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading this. He was like, "Oh, he was disappointed." He just thought it was too, like, he didn't want there to be this much of a happy anything for anybody. Um, and He kind of famously had a beef with every, every adaptation. Yeah, right, like, right. Yeah. He thought the ending of, of, uh, of Nicholas Rogue's The Witches was too happy. So we can't, we can't go, we, can't, we could, we haven't yet, <laughs> gone back in time to reclaim the... The darkness of Roald Dahl in 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 in, in any real way. Yeah. Um, the closest that I have seen uh, a film adaptation come, and this is something we discussed when it came out. We discussed it on this show. Was the final moments of the musical film of Matilda, mm-hmm. where her parents are gleefully driving away. She has been happily cozily lovingly adopted by the teacher miss honey and her parents are like great we're out of here goodbye child whatever you are and they zoom off and in any other film that would have resulted in her going yay i'm here with my teacher who loves me but instead and i'm forgetting the name of the child who plays matilda uh in the film they they hold a close-up on her face as she looks down the road as her parents drive away and and the look on her face is, oh, you really never loved me, not even once. And they hold it for just like a beat longer than you expect them to. And it's, for me, personally, as a viewer, it was stomach piercing. Yeah. And so um, you never get that at all, not even a, not even a hint of that. That. Oh yeah, nothing it, about this reminds me of Roald Dahl. Nothing, nothing. about no. yes. nothing about this film reminds me of Roald Dahl. Um, but the songs, I kind of like that they invented a so- they made a song where they invented the word pocket. I like. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into that, <laughs> and I'm kind of into the 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 adorableness of all of this. Lil, Lil Timmy can mm. sing. Yeah. Um, not. Not like Fantasia, but <laughs> but well in a in a in a Broadway the songs kind of are way. Sunny yeah. and the songs are loving and they are in, inventive. Um, I like the side characters. Yeah. I like 
I like everything about this without liking it as any sort of actual prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I, like if this movie were divorced from that uh, branding, yeah. I think I would be even more on board for it. Because yeah. I love like Olivia Coleman's Dickensian yes. laundress She's villain. great, she's great. Uh, I don't have the guy's name in front of me, but the guy who plays Slugworth. Also, I enjoyed him. Is terrific. Yeah. Keegan-Michael Key is having fun with this. Um, you know, Hugh Grant's Oompa Loompa. I, you know, I, I love that we've reached the point of his career where it's like, yeah, no, we're not going to be charming anymore. We're just going to be a complete a-hole. Right. And he does it so well. I, <laughs> I, I've said I want to see just a full documentary about him being persuaded to do this movie because, you know, he was the, the curmudgeon of all time. <laughs> Even doing interviews, he said, like, I hated every second of the makeup, whatever. You know, he is unkind to to work with but in, in a way that I love. I love Hugh Grant. But, you know, I, I still think about, like, that when, when he does that number from Follies in the closing credits of Paddington 2, it's just like the the... the the tap tap like you know he clearly loves the performance aspect of this stuff and so like yeah i he yeah he's fun to watch and you can you can even as you sense him cringing through some aspects of it he's still like so uh, paul king uh, is clearly the hugh grant whisperer oh for sure yeah, yeah definitely. No, he knows how to get through um so yeah this I, you will know divide a lot of people yeah um, yeah it's very well-made... 65 on metacritic to yeah. me yeah <laughs> it's a very well-made film that is and it's going to make people hate it because they're going to hate it, right? But I think yeah. I think most people who are going to hate it are just are are going to, are going to be more dealing with the weight of, of Willy Wonka on screen and on and page. like you said, the st- this the style of filmmaking, yeah, is is not it's not drawing you into this world of you know of of, of pure imagination, taste and and <laughs> taste and smell and and desire, right? right. Mm-hmm. And 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 and. You know, did you were you a fan of the Paddington movies? Oh yeah, 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 totally. Though I have to tell you, when Paddington goes to jail, I just do not want to see that. I find it scary. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing I'll say about the original Willy Wonka is that every last character in that movie is full of personality. Like you, as, right. the, the, as, as far as you go down the cast sheet on that, they're all amazing. Like the people yeah. in the one-off scenes, the woman whose husband is kidnapped. Yes. Like everybody is hilarious oh, in that movie. The computer scientist. Yes, right. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm dialing in the computer. Whatever. He says, right, um, and this is not like that. I didn't love not. the like, like Noodle, who's like his like uh, young protege. Uh, yeah, but hated her. Yeah, <laughs> she gave me nothing. Yeah. yeah, there's, there is, it airs on the side of coziness for sure. Yeah, um, but you know, hey, just gotten out of surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. These things are very. Very sub- subjective. <laughs> so. uh, speaking of films that will be divisive, uh, May December. <laughs> who's who's divided about? Oh, May I think there are people out there who I do have kind of mixed opinions about it. But you're right. Like I, I feel like there's one reaction that goes to Twitter, and then one <laughs> reaction that goes to like your your family in the middle of the country, and they there's no way they will be similar. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah no, no. I, and and I, th- I think that there are going to be because it's on Netflix and because it has big names in it. There are people who have never seen a Todd Haynes movie who are going to kind of just stumble into this thinking that it's sort of a docudrama or something and not know what the hell they just saw. So May, December is uh, the latest film from Todd Haynes written by uh, Sammy Birch. It is based uh, very loosely. In fact, none of the details are the same. Yeah. Situationally, Loose, loosely inspired, situationally inspired by the experience of uh, the late Mary Kay Latorno, who was a school teacher who wound up uh, having sex with and then marrying after she went to prison and uh, bearing his child and, and having his child and more than one child, I think. After they got married, and yeah. then they stayed married for a while. Uh, she's no longer uh, alive. Uh, but he was in he was 12 or 13 he was in 7th grade when it happened so this film stars Julianne Moore as a woman very much like this who uh, is infamous for basically experiencing doing the same thing she meets a 13 year old uh, they begin this uh, relationship this is statutory rape she goes to prison for it Uh, she gets out she has his baby in prison. They, when she gets out, they get married. And now, all these years later, 24 years later, 
Natalie Portman, an actress, arrives in Savannah, Georgia, where uh, uh, Julianne Moore and Charles Melton. Julianne Moore and Charles Melton. I forget their characters' names. Um, Charles Melton, uh, who you know maybe from uh, Riverdale. Uh, he was the first Reggie. He was the first Reggie on Riverdale. <laughs> Natalie Portman is going to portray Julianne Moore in an an independent film. Yes, and that you don't know <laughs> much about it. Yes, that is, uh, But here's what you do know. Here's what you learn over time. Natalie Portman, her character, is an actress who stars on a very popular nighttime drama about a veterinarian. Called Nora's Ark. Called Nora's Ark. <laughs> That's, and which that is a scream is, line. That is Saturday nights on CBS. <laughs> I don't know that I'm right. If it's not a network show, it's something like Suits, right? Yeah. But it's a network show. It is Saturday nights on CBS because everybody knows her. They, she can't walk through town without people knowing her, without teenagers coming up to her and saying things like, do you live in Calabasas? <laughs> if you don't know why that's funny, God bless you. <laughs> um, but what begins here is she sort of embeds in the family's life. Talking to the kids, talking to Julianne Moore, talking to Charles Melton, talking to the original, talking to the man who owns the pet shop that employed both <laughs> of them when this all happened. Talking to the man who was married to Julianne Moore talking when to her this first former husband <laughs> to her now adult children from that first relationship, including her son, played by uh, Corey Michael Smith, who, who was a classmate of the second husband. Yeah, and if there's if there was justice in the world, and there's not justice in the world of awards, that actor, yeah, if you if you would see- get some kind of. Some kind of something. If you know being him, the most vitriolic person I've seen in a film. Oh a long God! Time. It's so rare that I want to describe somebody as chaotic. That's exactly <laughs> what's going on there. And if you know this actor from like Carol or from Gotham or from the wonderful indie film uh, 1985, you will not recognize him here. Like it, right. he is playing such a completely different kind of character. It took me a couple of beats to be like, <gasps> to even remember who you know to realize that that's who he was. But yeah, he is. He is saying the things that so many of these people in the movie won't or can't articulate or acknowledge about what's unusual about the situation. Yeah, and it's the movie is largely about. So Natalie Portman is like fancying herself this entrenched, important actor trying to get the big scoop on this couple, and she kind of is coming up with details that don't matter, and the real story is unfolding. And she never sees it. Right. And so you see uh, Julianne Moore and Charles Melton having these um, inc- incredible arguments. And you're realizing that Julianne Moore is, as much as he is definitely emotionally stunted, so is she. She has this sort of childlike lisp. Um, there are a couple of line readings that are just unbelievably funny. Like she complains that he smells like a barbecue after they, when they're trying to sleep together. And then, so he takes off his shirt and she goes still smoky it's so it's so funny yeah the, the fact that she cannot that, that that she has to spell the word when a, a box of human feces is left at their door yeah um you know the the the, the four-letter word version of that like uh yeah the, the, you're you're right because the, the whole the 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 scenario you think oh well you know she sort of swept in and like you know ruined this guy's life or were like emotionally stunted him but yeah she herself is such a um you know product of her own upbringing and her own uh, of her own life They're like it's it you can't make assumptions about like power or um maturity or anything with them can i just be a college sophomore here for a moment yes Have at it. okay please thank you very much so okay Walter Benjamin wrote uh, The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction many, many decades ago. Okay. And in that essay, he asserts that a work of art is irrevocably altered by its reproduction, right? So you take a picture of something, and instead of a painting, you have a photo, and you have a photo maybe of that painting, and you just reproduce it, reproduce it, reproduce it. It's not going to be the same thing. It's going to change, and everyone is going to see it in a new way. Everyone's going to see it in a different way, and you're not going to have a consensus about what's happening, right? So 
I think something like the inciting incident of this film, which is this, you know, statutory rape of a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy. I think the inciting incidents here is sort of in analogous terms, sort of, right? It's about the 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 meme-like, the mimetic nature of scandal, where the ways we repeat and consume scandal and the ways that we add our own values and interpretation to that scandal and the way that we now make literal memes of scandal. So Senate Twink and Bear, for example. Sure. Right? It always serves to make it all the more weird and complicated when what we are first presented with is something that seems to be very cut and dried. Here's a 36-year-old woman who has seduced a 13-year-old boy. And what this film does with the typical Todd Haynes razor-sharp scalpel is dissect all the various fallouts and perspectives. And getting back to what I said about Walter Benjamin, what he loves, what Haynes loves to do in film after film after film is present mirrored versions of people and actions and frames through which we, uh, we experience those people in their actress. So here we have this actress, as we just described, someone from a popular TV show who wants more cred. Like she wants to break out. She wants to make something else happen in her career. So she's got her own agenda of viewing what's happening here. And it's all about how, what she can do with it. Right. She has a desire for something more. She's out to make the second version, getting back to the mimetic nature of this, (laughs) The second version of a story for the media, one that we see at the end of the the movie, we see scenes of her shooting it at the end of this film, and it just proves to be as clunky and on the nose (laughs) as the the little clip that we saw of the trashy Lifetime version, right? So whatever this independent independent film (laughs) is is going to be as exploitive as the first one, only it's going to come with a sheen of more class. We also have a woman. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm monologuing right now, and I apologize. We also have a woman who is, you know, the main character who has constructed a tightly bound version of reality for herself and for her entire family. And when any thread of it comes loose, she loses it. She's cries like she's being stabbed. (laughs) There's this now adult husband who is, on the nose, breeding butterflies. And kids who can't wait to leave home. Onlookers who have only consumed and viewed this through tabloids and that TV movie. And who treat the actress like like it's a visit from Kim Kardashian, going back to the Calabasas line. So unlike Far From Heaven, which was a respectful nod to what many people now think of as camp. This is a film that is about camp, and it also has its own built-in camp signifier, right? It is so dense with cultural reference points and emotional damage and hypocrisy hypocrisy and delusion, and there's so much mutilated comedy going on with these characters that you you find yourself laughing at things that are, people are doing and things that they're saying, but you're laughing like this. <laughs> like whenever Julianne Moore talks about her, when, when, when her, her older daughter confronts her about the fact that as a graduation present, she gave her right. a scale with a right. bow yeah. on it. Oh, as someone who has had been forced at medical... At scalpel points. Yeah, <laughs> to lose 70 pounds in the past year and a half, the line... You try going through life without a scale and see where that gets you. It's like, <laughs> uh, I don't want you as a mommy, you know, um, and neither does your husband. Like, it's, it, 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 it's not even about, and, I, and we've had people ask us pre-watching uh, this film yeah. what this film is even going to be about. And it's not about what Julianne Moore's character did. Right. No. no. Agnes Varda made that movie already. It's called Kung Fu Master. Yeah. Um, it's about what she and everyone else did in the aftermath and how that damage reverberates through 
history. A thing I kept thinking about, and I'm hoping enough time has passed now that this isn't a spoiler, was the ending of Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Mm, yes. The idea, yes. Yeah. The idea mm-hmm. that, like, that popular entertainment or that even art is incapable of genuinely addressing these, like, tragic, you know, instances of human behavior. And, and so the the way that Killers ends is like the way that, you know, uh, uh, Natalie Portman and her notebook think they're going to like get to the bottom of they're this gonna thing. Get, they're going like, to get into it. Yeah. yeah and like wrap her yeah. arms around it in some way or other, you know. And, and it, it both of these movies to me feel like, and again, this ties into the whole Todd Haynes semiotics thing, that it, that it becomes less about the thing that really happened and more about how we try to condense it and streamline it and make it palatable in some way so that we can walk away feeling like we understand what happened and what the repercussions were when obviously these things run much deeper and are much messier and more complicated than we can walk away with after a 90-minute, two-hour movie. Yeah, Right. It's a lot of Natalie Portman, like, even though she thinks she is doing, I don't know about something noble, but it's like exploiting it so much and yet also not even getting close to what actually happened. Right. Or so it's like, she's not only creating an abstraction, but it's based off of whatever she came in with believing as opposed to what she discovered. Um, I will say something. Uh, I've seen this movie three times because something that is weird about this movie is that it's filled with these like weird music stings from another era. I believe it's refer- it's from the score from of the, the Go Between, yeah. which by the way I interviewed Emerald Fennell for um, yeah. Saltburn, and she said the Go Between also inspired that. So I'm very huh. charmed to hear that movie come up a couple of times um, <laughs> this season. But um, there is something about the feel of this movie that I does not remind me of Todd Haynes' so-called influences. Like this movie does not remind me of Douglas Sirk. It does no, not remind right. me of right. like whatever the films of Joan Crawford or something you know it is its own weird and I'm gonna say cozy feel you can kind of just put this movie on and be in the weird zone of it I think in the way where I kind of thought tar was cozy viewing there's just something the gothicness of it is like is like a quilt I don't know I can't explain it the houses are nice yes but something that separates me from and I, I think it's a very interesting movie to talk about specifically for the reasons you outline the angle of Natalie Portman is just a bad actress who's like trying to turn this into a project. I don't know. I found her character not interesting enough for the movie. I don't know. I, I didn't get enough from her performance. And they give her a big moment where she acts out um, something she discovers uh, right. uh, from the couple. And while I was impressed with that, I, I, I was, I, all I can say it was wasn't moved by it. I like it as an intellectual exercise and not much more. Well, and they make you wait for it. Yeah. That comes at the very end of the film, practically. I want to watch this back-to-back with Safe again. Yeah. Because visually, the two remind me of each other quite a bit. I could I could talk a very long time, and I won't because I've already talked a very long time, um, about the interiors of homes in Safe and in this film and what those things mean to the people who live in them. Um, and... And there's a sort of haziness to this film that reminds me of Safe. Visual haziness yeah. reminds me of Safe. There's so much beige going on um, that is, well, it's it's its own it's its own you know uh, subplot. Like I, I I I I've only seen this film once. I will be watching it again <laughs> for all the reasons that uh, of sound and vision and that you want from a Todd Haynes. I think also just in general, it's a movie that I feel like is positing itself as here's a strange look at these eerie people and the complicated personalities they have when ultimately it's saying she's crazy, she's crazy, and he's emotionally stunted. (laughs) (laughs) But he is... His his performance also benefits from you don't really think the movie's going to end up being about him. So when he comes in with these strange jarring character moments it's like a real addition to the movie right. it becomes something right. else well right and i think also you know it, it be, again the, the mimetic nature of this we tend to think about this as she's the primary mover of the scandal and he was just sort of along for the ride and the movie at first makes it seem like it's all about julianne moore and then you it, the movie then has to remind you oh no no he is a 
person with like his own you know choices and and will and consequences and stuff and and so you know it, it, and mid thirties revelations about yes exactly himself yeah and what did you think of them actually using the footage from that Mary Kay Letourneau interview in the big confrontation scene Julianne Moore has with Charles Melton where, where she says like who's the boss or whatever like that's right. taken from a direct interview oh, with Mary Kay Letourneau I, I did not know that. when I, when I fr- and watch it it's like word for word the same yeah. when I first saw that I was like. Is that smart or whatever? And I realized it actually makes because it's it literally just during like some sixty minutes interview or something. There, it makes way more sense as a private confrontation. They took something from real life and made it more real in yeah. the movie. It's actually impressive, I think. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is a again this is a film that is dense with things. Yes, uh, and I I don't imagine there will be consensus among viewers. Uh, very much like the characters in the film. You're going to walk away from this and, and think, I think I know what this is about, and I'm angry, or I think it's hilarious, or I'm sad, or, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, we're not going to have immediate no. understandings of, of, of what the world wants from this film right now. And in fact, I think the best thing I can say about it is my feelings keep changing about it. And I don't think there's another movie like that this year. Yeah. Wow. You know, where it's like, it's up and down and, oh, I didn't consider that really. And what was she really doing there and stuff? Yeah. A week before I watched this film, I thought, is this a movie about Julianne Moore and, and Natalie Portman as a couple? Like, I just... Yeah, you like, thought they were the May December. I thought December. they were the May December. And then I was like, oh no. <laughs> it's about a whole other thing. Uh, yeah so we're done we are end of podcast end of cinema Lewis thank you so much for being here oh my god thank you for having Uh, me I've always it's awesome listening to you guys at any time literally when a movie comes out I'm like I need to know what Alonzo thinks about it first thank you love well apart from uh, uh, ABC uh, late night where can people find you where where, where are you in the world I'm still chained to the rock that is Twitter somehow someway I am at Lewis Fertel there and then uh, what else am I doing yeah I'm occasionally uh, oh and I have a podcast keep it on on, uh, Crooked Media We talk about the week's pop culture. I, I will usually throw in a reference to something like the go-between for, for <laughs> linoleum knife listeners. <laughs> Gotta keep everybody on their toes. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can uh, you know follow us on the social. Well, I, I have managed to try and get away from Twitter. So you can follow us at LinoleumCast on Blue Sky and Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Um, you can also hear me on Breakfast All Day and... Uh, Maximum Film and Deck the Hallmark. Yeah. Uh, it is the that time of the year, so if you've not picked up my books, have yourself a movie, a little Christmas, and I'll be home for Christmas movies. Gosh, please do. And um, you know what? I just forgot. What? I realized something while we were just you were just now talking. I too have been a guest on a couple of podcasts recently. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was a guest on uh, Veterans of Culture Wars. You were indeed talking about again. Evangelical Christianity, a subject that I know far too much about. Um, and also, we, we, we were, were both, both on mm-hmm. All Things Cozy, yes. which dropped today. That's a fun episode. We talked about warm weather Christmas movies. Mm. And thankfully, I was able to give them uh, some good ones so we didn't have to watch that one with Kelsey Grammer and... Um, or Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Or that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, why am I always forgetting this woman's name? Hugh Grant's ex. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley, Elizabeth thank Hurley. you. Yes. The safety yeah. pin dress, yes. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, we did not talk about that one, but we talked about some actual good ones, so check that one out. Three good ones, in fact. Uh, yeah, drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleumknife. We do a lot of fun things there that we hope makes it worth your while. And um, we'll be back soon. soon. Very soon. soon. Soon and very soon. We're anyway, going to see the king. Thank you for... <laughs> thank you Hallelujah. for... Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Goodbye.